Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the landscape of professional wrestling is changing by the week, and we are once again back to break it all down for you. This is the fastest growing wrestling podcast out there today. This is the Will You Stop podcast. As always, my name is Brandon. I am your host. I am going to be joined by my tag team partner, Avi. We're going to be joined this week again by his brother, Izzy. We're going to break down AEW. We're going to break down WWE. We're going to talk NXT. We're basically going to take the whole world of professional wrestling, turn it on its ear with our opinions, our views, our predictions. Why? Because combined, we got 90 years of wrestling knowledge and wrestling experience, and we're going to share it with you today. Avi, bro, my dude, what is going on? What is on your mind? It's been crazy. What's going on? Yeah, some exciting stuff. Um, you know, AEW had their show Saturday. But let, let's jump into the big news, obviously, which is uh, Bischoff and Heyman getting executive positions, quote-unquote, for Raw and SmackDown. So the IWC, first of all, has got to chill. Last night was an episode of Raw. I'm not going to say it was the worst episode of all time because I'd be saying that every week because every week it seems to get worse. But let's be honest, you know, people going on and on and on about how this was Heyman's fingerprints all over it. Look, you can throw out every curse in the book on Raw and SmackDown. You can have Graves saying, holy shit, every 20 seconds while Renee screams for no reason whatsoever. At the end of the day, unless you have angles that make sense, angles that are fun to watch, angles that have a purpose, and an in-ring product that looks like the guys are actually interested in wrestling, you're not going to get anything. I'm not saying they have to put out the same matches AEW did on Saturday night, and that was a very impressive show, might I add, and we'll get into that later on, obviously. But at the very least... You can do what NXT does on a regular basis. They're not going out there and, and throwing out these, you know, huge lucha, you know, or Japanese hardstyle type, um, you know, stiff and, and spot fests. But you can throw out matches on that level every week on Raw, every week on SmackDown, and certainly at pay-per-views. That's where you're going to get the improvement of the product. You know, and, and let's back up for a second Let's just say Paul Heyman was running Raw. We'll get into SmackDown in a little bit. Let's just start with Raw. Let's say Paul Heyman was running it. The guy hasn't run a wrestling program since 2001. He wrote for SmackDown, I believe, from 02 to 05, somewhere in there. And SmackDown was very good at that point. But the guy has not written a show. That means in what now, 14 years? Right. right. You're going to be a little rusty. I don't care how good you are at something. You step away for 14 years, you're going to be rusty. And what fingerprints all over that show did Paul Heyman have exactly? He had Corey Graves say shit. Okay. It's 2019, people. The majority of shows on channel 2, 4, and 7 are going to say shit at some point in the broadcast. Nobody cares. Get over it. You had some ridiculous pregnancy thing going on with Maria, which in effect, by the way, Mike Kanellis' career, unless he wins the world title, in the next couple of weeks, is effectively over. 
I don't know whose idea that was, but Mike Kanellis' wrestling career, as we know it, is dead and buried. Otherwise, what happened last night that the IWC is losing their shit over? They don't understand something. You can slap a title on anyone you want. In the end, Vince is still making those final calls. Let's go over what I saw on Raw. You had the angle where they destroyed the Titantron. Didn't they do that 15 years ago with Rhino and Jericho? It's not some mind-blowing concept that's never been done before. That's the first thing. Second thing, I think that whole thing with Maria and Mike Kanellis is they took and they carnied freaking Vince and company. They just signed a five-year deal with WWE, and then like a week later they dropped that Maria is pregnant again. So I think that was done as some sort of retaliation because it's like you we signed you to a five-year deal and now you're going to be out for the next year because you're having another kid. So I know as, as stupid as that sounds, if I would sign someone to a deal and they come and say, oh, well, I got to go on medical leave, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. And let's be real. Mike Canales wasn't moving any needles anytime soon, no matter what he was doing, to even get that five-year deal. Same thing with Jinder Mahal. Why the hell are we signing these guys? Are they that important that you're afraid AEW is going to snatch them up, that you're signing them to five-year deals? What kind of leverage did Jinder Mahal have on you to get a five-year deal, then go out and have knee surgery? Oh, I agree. Listen, <laughs> Vince, Vince is obviously doing this because he wants to keep guys away from AEW. But if you think about it logically, I mean, I got to go to Mike Kanellis over here. This guy, whatever he built career-wise is over. There is no way in hell the character of Mike Kanellis is ever, and I mean ever, unless he wins the world title anytime soon, which is not going to happen, is going to recover from what happened last night. It's impossible. They literally took his character, crumpled it up, burned it, pissed on it, shit on it, set it on fire again, and left it to die. How can this guy ever recover from that unless he puts on a mask and becomes a luchador tomorrow? One word, demasculinized. He got totally demasculinized by his wife. And everyone knows he's his real wife. This isn't a work wife, a working wife. This is a shoot wife. And well, how she was okay with doing this as a wife. But, I mean, listen, this guy is career. It's over. There's no way you can recover from this. What has he done in two years anyway? Oh, listen, I get it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue for Mike Kanellis' existence, but I mean, you saw the script before you went out there. At one point, did you say to yourself, "Hmm, this might be the end of my career. Maybe I should speak up and say, hey, guys, this might not be a good idea.'" You know, it's, it's, it me, it kind of falls under what you said a couple weeks ago on our last show. What do you guys have to lose? They, there's no leverage WWE has anymore. You signed us to five years. Sure, we're going to get paid no matter if I'm sitting home or not. You don't want to push me. That's fine. Now, I want to go back to what you said at the beginning of the show. The IWC is flipping out because it's something, quote, unquote, new. Paul Heyman's fingerprints were all over that opening segment. It wasn't a 20-minute promo to start the show. It was different. That's what they're flipping out over. That's what it was. And let me say, can you tell me that that – Heel turn by AJ Styles was not seen from two weeks ago. Ray Charles could have seen that coming. Now that I don't, I don't. First of all, I mean, I get the feud. 
and it could be a good feud. Listen, both guys can work. If you let them go, you're going to get good matches out of it. I have to assume they're going to have a major showdown at SummerSlam. Just makes sense to me, obviously. Um, that being said, what is the feud going to be based on? Just AJ being pissed off because he lost to this guy a few times. I mean, you got to give me more than that. I'm just happy the two of them now are going to have a real feud because, listen, face versus face, heel versus heel, we both know it doesn't work. AJ's a heel. He's running now with the club. Let them be together. I mean, at this point, what else are you going to do with Gallows and Anderson? So it makes sense on that end. Overall, listen, it wasn't a horrible Raw show. We've seen a lot worse, God knows. To me, it was a typical Raw. I mean, like I said earlier, you can throw all the curses you want out at the world unless the actual angles get better. And listen, at least you have an angle now with, with Styles and Ricochet, but the in-ring work has to follow. I mean, if you look at some of the matches last night, you had a two or three falls match with Miz. I think the entire thing lasted 30 seconds. What was the purpose of that? They are killing that gimmick. They are killing two out of three falls because of this edict from Vince that isn't one matches going on during commercial breaks. And it's ridiculous. It's Yeah, you're getting quick matches, but there's no quality. It goes back to the whole quantity versus quality thing. And I'd rather have some quality and miss a, a freaking reverse chokehold for freaking two minutes while the Arby's commercial is on than getting this 30-second two out of three falls match. You know what's funny about that, and I mentioned it to you earlier when we were talking today earlier, two out of three falls, that was the norm for most matches, specifically title matches, from, I'd say, the 30s, probably all the way through to the mid-60s. And for tag title matches, that was the norm all the way through, like, the mid to late 70s. So it's almost a throwback in a sense. But you're literally – I mean, look at the in-ring work last night. You realize Ricochet and Styles – their first match, quote-unquote, until they went to that dusty finish, lasted, what, three and a half minutes, if that? And then your second match went, what, another four minutes? So your two top guys with ring, in respect to their ring work went a grand total of, like, seven and a half minutes? That's garbage. Is that yep. the difference? That's going to be the, is that the difference thing now with, with, with Heyman? Is that going to be it? And then Bischoff, like, where's the – unless they come out as authority figures, I know you may disagree. Where are you really going to see a difference unless, you, like you said, it's going to take a while for angles to develop that are different. Otherwise, it's the same old crap, with the exception of no big 20-minute intro. But I don't know. I didn't see – I was watching it earlier. I didn't see a massively huge difference that was like, oh, my God. Like when Bischoff and uh, Russo that time, when we thought would have turned out to be good, it totally changed what was Kevin Sullivan's crappy WCW for a bit. But they, I didn't feel like there was a big change. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, they said that the changes weren't going to be like – it wasn't going to be like last night and bam, the entire show is, is ECW reborn under Paul Heyman type deal. They said that the changes in Raw will slowly happen week after week. Bischoff and SmackDown isn't even going to start, they're saying, until after the pay-per-view. The reason that Heyman even had any fingerprints on Raw is because he's been part of the creative process for the last couple of years. But Eric's coming in cold. So SmackDown tonight, I literally, before the show, was dozing off, waiting to start. That's how boring SmackDown was. That I'm sorry, there was no Eric Bischoff at that. He might be there, but he hasn't started yet, because that show has been the same exact show that it's been for the 
last couple of years. Guys, we're jumping way too far ahead because I'm going to get into Bischoff and SmackDown for the next hour or so. Let's concentrate on Raw for a second, okay? Yeah. Last night, you had nothing happen in the ring. You had AJ Styles and Ricochet have a match, get it reversed, restart the match, and I really think the combined time on that entire process was literally seven to maybe eight minutes long. You're taking a show that had a little wrestling to begin with. I mean, let's be honest. At its peak over the last year, what were you getting? Maybe four matches out of Raw? Out of three hours? I, I think average was 35 minutes of in-ring action for three hours. Okay. So the in-ring action is small enough as it is. Now you're taking it away even more with these quick bullshit matches. I mean, there are some guys, it takes them a while to get into a match. A perfect example is Seth Rollins. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to say Seth Rollins is this legendary great worker. He's a good worker. But if you actually watch his matches, it takes them a while to get into it. AJ Styles and Ricochet, those two guys and their styles are going to take a little while to get into it. You give them seven minutes to work, you're not going to get anything. So this idea of uh, not wrestling through commercials is ridiculous. We've gone to live shows. We've gone to live Raws. We've gone to live SmackDowns. We've gone to pay-per-views. I've probably gone to at least, at least between Raw, SmackDown, and pay-per-views, probably 100 shows in my life. We know it when it's a commercial. Somebody grabs a rest hold. Somebody's outside the ring. There's no action going on. You're not missing anything. Why did Vince all of a sudden think people had this desire to see a, a chin lock, see somebody walking around the outside of the ring? Like I said, the three of us have gone to a thousand different shows together. ECW, WCW, WWE, house shows, live shows, you name it. We've been there. We know when you're at a commercial. What was Why, the why is Vince doing this? Why, why is he doing this? Stop. Is. You can't talk over us. You have to wait for us to finish. Yeah. Let, let me finish, then jump in. Wait for the pause, count the threes, and jump in. Mm -hmm. The entire point of commercials is that it takes place during a rest hold. If a guy's going to get held down for three minutes in a reverse chin lock, I'm all for commercials, especially for a three-hour show. Avi, correct me if I'm wrong. Back during the Monday Night Wars, Attitude Era, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> did they not extend their segments to like 10, 15 minutes to get a match in, then go to commercial. Don't they have some sort of connection with USA to say, yo, we're going to need this amount of space, then we'll do commercials. We'll even double up a commercial break so we have a longer segment. I'll come back to the days of Attitude where Jim Ross would say, this is our main event. We're going to be commercial free. There are no more commercials. We're taking to the end of this match. That would usually hit around 10.50, 10.51, they usually go over till about 11.07 to about 11.15, somewhere in there. So you were getting a 17, 18-minute match or a 17, 18-minute event. You know, the match may go 10 minutes with a jump in or whatnot that would last seven minutes. But either way, it was commercial-free. They used to, as far as I remember, and I have to go back on the network and probably watch an old episode of Raw from 99 or 2000, from what I recall, though, the majority of, of your first hour was a 20 to 30-minute intro to the show, usually a, a 
a shoot by Triple H or Austin or McMahon or whatnot, and you'd run a ton of commercials in your first hour. It would get less in your second hour. Then in your third hour, around 10.30, you would get hit with this one giant last batch of like five to seven minutes worth of commercials. And then you were commercial free for the most of the night. So, I mean, why they can't go back there is beyond me. But that being said, I mean, you know, your in-ring product is weak enough as it is. Now you've taken a very weak product and just weakened it significantly more. I mean, the matches on Raw this week, I mean, just they were just bad, they were short, they were stupid and non-purposeful. And to take it a step further, you know, your big event with the, with the stage being destroyed between Lashley and Strowman, does anybody really care to watch those guys in a false count anywhere match or any match for any kind at this point? And why are they trying to sell it as like some serious thing? Uh, we're going to have updates. Uh, Seth Rollins saying, I wish both guys speedy recovery. W- what's up with that? This thing. You freaking had Lashley in part of a group with Corbin and Drew attacking you two months ago. Now you're wishing him well and hope a speedy recovery? They're really trying to mix the lines between shoot and work, and it's just coming out as hokey as shit. All the shit with freaking Becky and Rollins, and now we're wishing the heels a speedy recovery. They need to pick a a thing they're going to do because it's becoming so stupid anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, there, was, there was nothing on Raw that got me excited. There was nothing I saw change. You know, listen, change takes time, but I, I saw nothing significant as far as Raw goes. Um, you know, everyone's talking about Bischoff for SmackDown, and I, I've been thinking about this all day long. And I, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna kind of go in on this one. Okay, if you listen to Eric Bischoff's podcasts, specifically 83 weeks, he even says. He had nothing to do with creative. Creative, for the most part, was the booking committee, which consisted of Dustin Rhodes, Kevin Sullivan, Mike Graham, Kevin Nash at certain times. But for the most part, Kevin Sullivan was doing most of the booking in WCW from around 93 through 97, from what I understand. Then it went into a little bit of a booking committee. And if you look at the old WCW pay-per-views, remember at the end they would run those, uh, they would run the credits? That's right. Okay. If you look closely, you'll see executive producers or agents, and you'll see all these names. Mike Graham, Kevin Sullivan, Dustin Runnels, et cetera, et cetera. That was your booking committee. Eric Bischoff has stated time and time and time again he had nothing to do with creative. Yes, he was the final say, but he had nothing to do with creative. So let's think about it. You work in a company with your executive vice president. Your job is to oversee the entire product. I'm a person who my entire job is to basically, I'm an expert in a certain area. I'm an expert in a certain thing, okay? If I'm the executive vice president, you come to me and you say, I'm going to do this, I'm trusting you enough that I'm going to sign off on it, which is what Eric Bischoff did. He did nothing with creative. Not in 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, when he came back in 2000. He had nothing to do with creative. He oversaw the entire product, the booking committee and the writers oversaw everything, did everything else as far as creative goes. So anybody that thinks Eric Bischoff is going to come into SmackDown 
and turn it into something special is really, really a mistaken and be ignorant about what really went on in WCW. I'll say it again, and he stated it repeatedly. He did nothing with creative. He was the last word. That's all he was. So people, what they I don't understand what they think is going to happen on SmackDown exactly with Eric Bischoff in charge. The only reason I can think of is why Eric Bischoff right now works for SmackDown is so Vince McMahon can keep Eric Bischoff's name away from AEW. Because, listen, Eric Bischoff is still a name. Put him out there. He's still a good character. And AEW to bring him on as the general manager or whatnot, yeah, that, that would make some noise. So I see why Vince made you, you know, bring him in just because of that. But as far as creative juices go, quote unquote, okay, yeah, he may have some ideas. The guy's been in the business since like 1986 with the AWA or 87 with the AWA, so that's over 30 years. But even he's admitted he has literally not kept up with the business one iota in like the last 10 years. But what people are expecting out of this guy is beyond me. I think he's some, partly what you said to keep him away from AEW, but also because he ha, they say that he had that with TNT. He has a knows how to talk to a network and know how to deal with network executives. So now that they're moving to Fox, they want to use Bischoff to use his juices with Fox. Like you said, he has no creative input in WCW at all. Even when he came back, when he signed with WWE the first time, he was a character. He wasn't part of any booking committee. He didn't do anything creative. He was simply a character. And he's even said this so many times on the show. So I'm going to go with yes with you on this. I'm going to agree with you. I think this is all Vince trying to just keep everyone locked down so they don't go to AEW. So, guys, IWC out there, if you honestly think that WWE doesn't think AEW is a threat, Look at all the moves they've made in the last month. And then keep come back and tell me you don't think they're they're threatened by AEW. What is what has Bishop ever done though, really, aside from the yeah, the NWA angle, but his creativity in WCW was limited. I mean he had a lot of tests. He had one successful NWO angle. I respect what he did, but guys, beyond that, beyond eighty three weeks when he started running out of I mean he just he played that NWO up like like you couldn't believe and he couldn't come up with anything else, you know? So I don't know. And I don't, I don't see what he could do for the WWE. I just don't. First off, the NWO wasn't his idea. No, it wasn't. You're right. Second off, he had nothing to do with creative. Hmm. He has said it repeatedly in 83 weeks on his podcast. Hmm. Repeatedly. Repeatedly, he has stated he had nothing to do with creative. The True. NWO was not his. Kevin Sullivan was booking that entire angle for the most part. So I don't understand what he's going to do. Although I did watch SmackDown tonight, the one thing I did like was Kevin Owens' little rant on uh, Dolph Ziggler. That was actually pretty funny. Well, Kevin Owens is Kevin Owens, so he's going to deliver. So, you know, what else would we expect from KO? Three, two, one. I mean, Kevin Owens is being Kevin Owens. He's doing what Kevin Owens does. It's what we expect out of him. But I don't know. I'm getting a vibe that they're going, they're reversing that whole heel turn that they hot-shotted and then moving him towards being a face again because he was playing the face role against Shane and Drew at the beginning of the show. Uh, listen, at this point, 
you know, it's, it's listen, Kevin Owens is a talent, but I don't, I don't think he's being utilized well. A, he belongs on Raw. I'm going to say it right now. He belongs on Raw. I mean, to have, first of all, why is Dolph Ziggler involved in anything right now? As far as the main event, I mean, tonight that that ending to the match with um, Heavy Machine is obvious. I knew one of them was going to hit the other one accidentally. I just don't get why Dolph Ziggler is involved in a major angle right now with Kevin Owens or anybody for that matter. Let's go back to what we just said to keep him away from AEW. Dolph? I mean, yeah. It's, it's, listen, Vince is – I don't care what they say. Vince is worried. He's going to try to keep everyone he can under the WWE umbrella, no matter who it is. He, he's just signed Mike Kanellis to a five-year deal. That's true. Seriously. I'm sorry. You may not be a Dolph fan, but compared to Mike Kanellis, Dolph Ziggler is Ric Flair. Agreed. Let's be honest. Agreed. Agreed. Right, hold on. i got to step in. Is you have to wait for him to stop before you start talking. When he stops talking, count to three, and then talk. If you talk over him, it gets really muffled up. Three, two, one. Let's be honest. Mike Kanellis and Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler is Ric Flair to Mike Kanellis. Listen. I'm at least glad that AEW is on their radar and they're not playing deaf, dumb, and blind to it because, let's be honest, that show Saturday night, that was a good show. Uh, Let's talk about AEW. You know, there's not much I find wrong with that show. To be honest with you, if that's what we can expect during a regular week on TNT, WWE is in deep shit. Because if that's a weekly show, like I explained to you when I spoke to you, that show the other night on Saturday night honestly reminded me of like if Nitro from 1999 and ECW from 1998 had a baby, that would have been that show. You know, you had your luchadors going at it. Your luchador style from the cruisers back in '99. You had your extreme style. The women's match was phenomenal. The triple threat tag match to open up the show. Great match to open up a show. I mean, that was a show that really gave you everything. And that's why I kind of get the equation of like, you know, that Nitro 1999 had a baby with ECW 1998. It's just that show really had a little bit of everything. And if that's going to be every two for two hours every Wednesday night. On TNT, I am very happy with that and looking very forward to that. Yeah, that girl was uh, that girls match was amazing. The women's match was unbelievable. Those women in WWE are definitely on notice. I could not believe uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Kia. What the heck's her name again? The the the, the Japanese girl. She was amazing. The one that's kind of like a Japanese Alexa Bliss, but incredibly uh, athletic. Brandon, what's her name? Do you remember? Uh, no, I'd have to look it uh, up. I, un- uh, unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and I do want to say one more thing. Cody Rhodes, uh, he lucked out once again. Avi, you got to admit, I mean, the guy got a chair shot. Somehow he ends up bleeding the hard way, and the whole internet's talking about it. I mean, how do you feel about that? What do you, what do you think about that one? What I heard is that that chair was actually gimmicked, and it was supposed to bend. The problem was the way – because if you look at it, I believe he gets hit on the left side of his head, and he gets busted open on the other side of the head. So the chair actually bends – and the part that's not gimmicked actually hit him. So that was that probably bad. Incredible. Yeah. All right, just for the record, it was Rio and you, you, I'm going to butcher this one, Yuka Sakazaki. 
Riho. Who won against Nyla Rose in that triple threat match? Incredible. Riho is amazing. Avi, what do you think about Riho? I mean, is she, was she not amazing? I mean, come on. For a girl that size to move the way she moves, I mean, she's almost like a female Kevin Owens. <laughs> to me, it's right. True. And they said that that, that skinny little, little Rio Japanese woman has wrestling since she's nine years old. That's amazing. <laughs> she's 22 years old and been wrestling for 16 years. Like, what the hell? <laughs> First of all, she looks like she's 10 years old. <laughs> but, yeah, what was your – Izzy, I'm going to ask you, you. You're more of a gamer. What was your opinion of the elite dressed up as Street Fighter? <laughs> that was pretty funny. I, I don't know. Like, I, I was uh, – you know, I, I liked it. I mean, it, it's – Again, it's uh, it's going to bring attention to it. You know, Cody got lucky with the chair shot because that brought attention that wasn't intended to bring attention. But I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, people like that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. I didn't think it was too corny. And uh, I thought the whole show as a whole was great. And I'm really looking forward to TNT to the show in TNT in October. It's going to be amazing. Avi, tell me, talk to me about John Moxley and Joey Janela. I like the match. It kind of brought back that ECW element that we've been missing for the longest time. The only issue I, I find with that, and it's not even really an issue, it's just more of a question than anything else, where do you go now? Because a match like that is a blow-off. Like, that to me is, is a match you have when you're six months into a feud where both guys have jumped each other, both guys have had matches, nothing has been resolved, they've thrown out shoots at each other, and now you have your grudge match. And, I mean, these guys brutalized each other for like 25, 30 minutes, however long it was. And you got a victory out of it. So, I wouldn't mind it if this was like, you know, if they basically maybe started feuding on this show and had the blow-off on the first TNT show. I would have been fine with that. I don't have an issue with it. Like I said, it was a good match. It was very entertaining. The issue I have is, now where do you go with this? I mean, obviously, Omega and Moxie now are going to feud. But I think maybe even they're rushing into that because the truth is, the way those two went at it, those two could have had a good feud. I think they should, they should have started in a regular match with some extreme tendencies. A chair shot, maybe at the end you bust out some uh, you know thumbtacks, stuff like that, whatever the case might be, and you build up to a match like that. You know, to, to me, that that's there wasn't a buildup. You guys literally had no feud and just went into this war, and it was a great match to watch and it was fun to watch. I just felt like there should have been more behind it. I get what you're saying, but I think it was used. It was used to bring that violent ECW nature out, but it was also used to lead to the Omega and the John Moxley match at All Out. So I like that they would actually advance some storylines. And now they're having shows every couple of weeks. So it's not as bad if, you know, if we were having just double or nothing and then nothing till the end of August. You have those couple of shows and they're actually building storylines on it. You got the Cody storyline with Sean Spears based on the fact that Cody called him a good hand and he feels he's a main, main event player. That's the reason for the chair shot. Yeah, moving along the Moxley and Omega deal. Uh, Adam Page won that four-way, which is leading to All Out against Jericho, who's going to be at fight for the Fallen. So I like that they're advancing their storylines, including and not excluding just what's online. Well, I'll tell you this much. I like the fact that they have storylines. It's been a while since we had a wrestling federation on TV with storylines. 
Speaking of which, Impact looks like they're getting a new deal with uh, Access. Access is becoming a destination for wrestling, man. I got to tell you. Seriously. They, that's going to be, I think, the third or fourth wrestling show that Axis is going to have on. They got their New Japan. On occasion, they run Ring of Honor on there. They got that Women of Wrestling show that's on. And now they're going to have Impact. They're becoming a, a wrestling destination. And isn't that owned by, uh, what's his name, owns the Mavericks? Yeah, Mark Cuban owns it. I wouldn't be shocked if MLW, when their contract with Bean is up, winds up jumping over to Access. It seems like Access is very... Uh, combat sport friendly. I mean, Friday nights basically consists of wrestling and uh, MMA, which is, you know, a great destination as far as, uh, as far as that goes. You know, I mean, if you think about it, it's really become the combat sport network. Maybe that's the intention, you know, grab up as many wrestling federations, MMA federations and kickboxing federations, make it into a combat sport television uh, channel. And I'm all fine with that one. But, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, Impact getting back on a real channel. Listen, Impact's got some good stuff going on. It's a shame they're on a crappy channel. They obviously realize that. But right now, you know, if you look at WWE, you look at AEW, you look at Impact, Impact and AEW the only ones right now running actual wrestling angles. Good guy versus bad guy. Shooting on each other. Having meaningful matches. They're actually doing the wrestling federations are supposed to do. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. WWE, to me, is a TV show about a wrestling federation. It's not a real wrestling federation to me anymore. You look at what AEW is doing, in just two shows, by the way. You look at what Impact is doing on a god-horrible network. I really hope they get on access, because I think Impact has potential. You know, and if you look at it... Both shows are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're actually running wrestling angles. And, you know, we could be heading towards a great time in wrestling. I mean, as, as down as WWE is, come October, you're going to have WWE on Fox on USA. You're going to have AW on TNT. You still have MLW on BN. It looks like you're going to have Impact on Access. You're still going to have New Japan on Access. I mean, you're at a point now where for the first time since the mid-80s where you had WWF, NWA, World Class, UWF, and AWA, you're going to have five actual wrestling federations on national television. Worldwide television, for that matter, if you think about it. This is a really great time to be a wrestling fan. I want to chime in about 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 Impact. Have you looked at their Slammiversary lineup? On paper, this is a freaking really good card. I'm going to tell you, this is a really fantastic card on paper for Slammiversary. I'm going to read this off to you, Avi. I want you to tell me how great of a card this is. For the Impact World title, you got Brian Cage against Michael Elgin. Oof. How about a freaking drag-out match that's going to be? You got for the X Division title, Rich Swan against Johnny Impact. Another, that's going to be a freaking fantastic match. Moose against Rob Van Dam. You got a four-way Monsters Ball match for the Impact Knockouts Championship. The women are going into a Monsters Ball match, basically their version of a TLC match. Taya Valkyrie, Rosemary, Sue Young, and Havoc. You got the LAX against the Rascals for the tag team titles. You got Tessa Blanchard against Sammy Callahan in an intergender match. And Eddie Elwards against Killer Cross in a first blood match. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a freaking great card on paper 
for a pay-per-view. That is a great card. I'll tell you what, that Elgin-Brian Cage match, that might be the stiffest match we've seen in a long time. Those two guys work really, really stiff. They're really, really big and probably do not give a shit. Did you see the freaking powerbomb over the top rope through the table that Cage did on Elgin this past week? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, you know me. I've been a fan of Brian Cage since the very beginning. I think that guy's got potential written all over him. And if Batman ever does another uh, movie and they got Bane, if I'm his agent, I am putting his name out there, he'd be a perfect Bane. I'm sorry, but that might be the greatest card Impact is putting out in a long time. Right. Because that... So now think about it. Look at your talent right now where you have AW. They got a stack roster. MLW's got a decent roster. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's decent. Impact's got a pretty good roster. Once, once Impact gets on Axis, between AEW and Impact, you're going to have two fun, real wrestling federations to watch. With their own unique style. Impact has really kind of taken on its own unique style now. Uh, I don't know if it's a Canadian style. I couldn't tell you. I'm not big into the whole Canadian uh, wrestling styles. But looking at Impact right now, they're a little different than AEW. They're certainly different than WWE. They really have their own style. And once they get back on TV on a well, they're on TV, back on an actual regular network, I, they go end up doing big things. Listen, Rich Swan to me is a great worker. I love his matches. He hasn't had much of a look, which I, I think is what's holding him back. But he has got some great, great matches. And he got screwed on the WWE deal. When he got in trouble and then was exonerated and the WWE let him go, he got the raw deal on that. WWE was so wrong on that. How do you let a guy go when he was freaking charges were dropped? He didn't do what he was accused of. And he was upfront with you about the whole thing. It wasn't an Enzo deal that he got. They blindsided him with it. And then you let the guy go. Hey, you know what? I'm glad. He's so much better where he is right now in Impact. And he's in a semi-main event now. So you know what? <laughs> I mean, honestly, Rich Swan would have been stuck on 205 Live. Now he's semi-main eventing Slammiversary. I'd say he came out on the better end of the deal for that one. Listen, I got, the issue I had with Impact, specifically the last couple of years, I guess the last two years, is they were on a shitty network. I mean, they're on a network where I'm in New York right now on Verizon Files. They're like somewhere in the 800s. I have to literally go search for it to find it. Once they get on Axis, Axis is a major station. Like I said before, that's becoming the combat sports station. Where, I mean, you, like I said, you got MMA, kickboxing, New Japan, women's wrestling. They're going to fit in there perfectly. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, they wind up getting a good time slot. That's going to make the biggest difference. Um, hopefully, they stay away from Wednesday nights. Hopefully, I wouldn't mind the Thursday night impact, 8, 10 o'clock, taped or live doesn't make a difference. That'd be nice. You get Raw on Monday, you get a day off on Tuesday, you get AEW on Wednesday live, then you would get Thursday, you would get impact taping or live either way. Friday, you go SmackDown. Saturday, you know, it could be something else, whatever it is. And then Sunday, you would get a pay-per-view from somebody. So Thursday nights wouldn't be bad. It just to me Tuesday nights is not a good night for uh, for wrestling. I just feel like Tuesday nights one of those nights we're just trying to get past this. So you can get to Wednesday. Well, they were 
that's all for Spike TV on Thursdays for you know for a long time. So Thursdays make more sense, and you don't want to keep them on Fridays because now they're going to go against SmackDown Live. Plus, they've been on at ten o'clock on on uh, whatever that channel is. That's a death time. Ten p.m. on a Friday night. That's a death time to be on television. Listen, I wouldn't mind honestly Saturday night. 9 to 11, that'd be fine also. I think Thursday would be their best bet. I just don't see Tuesday working. You know, Wednesday obviously is clogged up now. You know, but I'll tell you what. I mean, what is WWE going to do with NXT with AW Live on Wednesday nights for two hours? You can't just let NXT sit there taped on the network. You got to do something with it now. You're going to get crushed. Well, the only option that they would have is, well, two things. One, they would have to make a deal with Full Sail and go live every Wednesday from Full Sail. And two, they would have to shop that off the network. And maybe FS1 with Fox, like we discussed in the past, that would be the only thing. I mean, it would be stupid for them to just sit back and let AEW have Wednesdays all to themselves. Because let's be honest, if I have a live AEW versus a three-week-old taped NXT that I can watch anytime on demand, I'm watching AEW first. I'm watching the live show first. Well, listen, listen, the bottom line is this. Vince does not let people do what they want, okay? Vince, back in the day, when the NWA would run a show in Philadelphia – Pittsburgh, anywhere really out of the South. The day before the, the, the NWA show, Vince would run a show. And he'd run that show as late as possible with his A crew, which is always going to be Hogan, Savage, and those guys, just to burn out the crowd for the next day. When the NWA ran Starcade, Vince all of a sudden decided it was a good time to run Survivor Series. When the NWA ran the Bunkhouse Stampede from New York, Vince decides, let's have the Royal Rumble on USA Network. Coincidences all these? Vince will tell you it's a coincidence. Those are carefully planned strategic moves by Vince. There is no way Vince McMahon is going to allow AEW to go live on TNT unopposed by another show. Not going to happen. I don't care what anybody says. I don't know what kind of show he's going to put on, but he's going to put on a show to go head-to-head with AEW. There's no two ways about it. And I'll go further than that. I'll take it a step further. If Impact winds up getting a live show as well, I don't think they will. I think they're going to be taped. He's going to put something to go against them also. If they wind up on Thursday... You bet something's going on the network Thursday at the same time. They go on Saturday. You bet something's going on Saturday at the same time. Vince does not allow competition to do what they want. Never have, never will. I mean, let's be real, okay? They're putting on an Evolve show on the network against Fight for the Fallen. They haven't put a different federation on their shows since ECW in 97. And that's only because he had money involved in ECW, just like he's got money in with Evolve. Evolve is basically NXT's NXT. 
So for them to say, oh, it was a set deal, it was happening before, bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on WWE for that right now. There's no way. Same way that you put your TakeOver UK show on the same day as All Out. Yeah, it won't be going head-to-head, but you're putting your show on first, hoping you're going to burn out the audience who's not going to want to watch eight hours of wrestling for the day. Listen, it's, I'll, the same, I'll... the same thing like you said, of putting a show the day before in at the Omni or wherever in Atlanta. You want to burn out the crowd. You want to burn out the people who are going to pay the tickets for the show on Saturday and not want to go to the show on Sunday because they've already spent their money and they're burnt out. Go ahead. I'm sorry I didn't mean to step on you, but I wanted to get my thought out on that one. Go ahead. Listen, I'll tell you right now, and I'm sticking to this, it would not shock me in the least bit if Fitz decides to throw NXT on before AEW goes on. I don't think he's going to go head-to-head at the same time, but I could definitely see him saying to FS1, give me an hour for NXT at 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights. I would not put him past. And what I could also see him doing, what I could also see him doing is going for an hour on FS1 from 7 to 8 o'clock, and then at 8 o'clock telling everyone, if you want to see the continuation of this, go into the network. And that would also make sense to why people were questioning why Triple H wasn't put in charge and while Heyman and Bischoff are. If they're going live every Wednesday with NXT, Triple H has to be there. That's way too much for Triple H to do a Raw Monday, NXT on Wednesday, SmackDown on Friday. That's going to burn that man out. <laughs> There's no way you could be created for three different things like that. WWE's not created for freaking their own shows now, let alone with who they got with 40 right? Yeah, they're going to put... They're going to put everything on the uh, network. So who's really going to, I mean, if you have TNT with AEW, even if you're watching the network, are you going to be that distracted? I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I don't see how it's going to hurt AEW by him putting shows in the network. It's not, I don't know. You're not listening is it's not going to be on the network. It's going to be on FS1. And I heard you FS1. I, I just, you're telling me at the same exact time though. Is that what they're thinking? Is that what you're hearing? No. Not here. We're speculating. Are you just Let speculating? me explain to you how Vince works. This is not yeah. going to go head to head. Vince is going to mm-hmm. t- stop behind. You're cutting us off. Three, two, one. This is how Vince works. Vince does not go head to head. Vince takes your crowd away. How does Vince take your crowd away? You're starting at eight o'clock. He's going to start at seven o'clock. That's how Vince takes your crowd away. What's he going to do? In my prediction, I think he knows AEW is big. I think he knows AEW is going to be a problem. I think he knows he has to address AEW, and I think Triple H knows it as well. I think the only thing they're going to be able to do is on FS1, they're going to go live for an hour from 7 to 8, and it's going to lead into the rest of the show from 8 to 9 o'clock being on the network. So you're going to hear Murillo saying, if you want to see the rest of this match and the rest of this card, log on to the network. We're out of here in 3, 2, 1. And you'll have a couple of seconds to go on the network to watch the rest of the show. That's what Vince does. That's what Vince has always done. Vince is not going to say to AEW, here you go. You can have Wednesday night, two hours live on TNT, have fun, make a billion dollars from the advertisers, enjoy life. It's basically, FS1 is basically going to be an NXT pre-show. That's what it's basically going to be to lead into NXT. Uh, who did that first off in the Monday Night Wars? Who started earlier and then... 
Like I think WWE was at nine to ten, and then Bischoff started eight to ten, right? I forget. I think it was WWE was nine to ten, then Bischoff went eight to ten, and then WWE went two hours. They would start at seven fifty-seven. The three minutes apparently thought it was going to make a difference, but this is different. You know, Vince has the Fox deal. Fox is very big on WWE. They're talking about putting a show on FS1 to begin with. My prediction: it's going to be a one-hour. Seven to eight o'clock NXT show where they're going to bring you into the network to watch the rest of the show. NXT is either going to be live or they're going to be very uh, recently taped moving forward. And that's how it's going to be. I don't know if they're going to be live, but I can tell you right now, they're not going to be three weeks old anymore. They're going to be a couple of days old. Maybe they'll tape on Saturday or something like that. And it's going to be a one hour show on FS1. It's going to lead into the network where he's going to try to bleed some viewers into the network and away from AEW. Because there's no way in hell Vince McMahon and his staff are sitting there saying, yeah, let's give AEW two hours live on TNT, no problem. AEW is not a, a problem that Vince can ignore and just hope it's going to go away. AEW is here to stay. And Vince needs to address it, otherwise he, can't, he, he cannot just ignore AEW. And I think he realizes that. Because he's actually being proactive to making moves, not being defensive and waiting for something to happen. Vince is going to do what he always does. He's going to try to take away that crowd and bring them in. And it'll work at times. Listen, it, there's going to be a point where they're going to run an NXT show, which I'm sure is going to be good if they do do this, and it'll bleed away some of the fans. But my prediction is that first AEW show is going to do big numbers. People are waiting for it. People are all about it. I think TNT is going to give them the proper amount of press. But even taking it a step further, I'll tell you what, if Impact does wind up on Axis, it's going to obviously be either Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday, somewhere in there. I don't think it's going to be a Friday or a Wednesday, obviously. My prediction is that Vince is going to go after them also. Vince does not sit back, relax, and say, okay, do whatever you want. That's not a style. Never has been, never will be. I don't think he's going to go after Impact the way he's going to go after AEW. I think he's going to go after AEW, though. I think he's going to use FS1. I think he's going to use NXT, obviously, and he's going to go after AEW. I would not be surprised if he puts a show on FS1 on Saturdays because that's when AEW is going to be running their pay-per-views. It's going to be Saturdays. And obviously, they're not going to go on a Sunday because they know that's you know, traditionally where WWE runs it. They've been And they've been running their shows on Saturdays. So I think he's going to try to put some sort of programming on FS1 on Saturdays to try to counteract those pay-per-views as well. I think we're gonna have. I think we're gonna be as close to seven days a week of wrestling than we've ever been, when it's all said and done. Which I'm fine with. Which is gonna be great for the business and great for us entertainment wise. But I'll tell you again, there's no way in hell Vince McMahon and Triple H, for that matter, is gonna sacrifice NXT to the AW audience. They're not gonna sit there and say, "Okay, let's keep taping and keep doing it." Where literally nobody's gonna be watching NXT. It's just not going to happen. I can't see. Vince is not going to allow it to happen. Because you're going to get to a point where, okay, you can say to yourself, well, NXT is taped, so you can watch it Wednesday after AEW, or you can watch it Thursday, you can watch it Friday, et cetera, et cetera. Because think about this logically. You're an NXT fan. You're going to watch AEW on Wednesday, right? Let's say Thursday, access goes to impact. You're not going to watch it on Friday because of SmackDown. Saturday, you're going to wind up with a pay-per-view from uh, AEW, and Sunday, you're going to pay-per-views. Eventually, 
the habit of missing NXT is going to become a real habit. And Vince is not going to allow it to happen. And I can assure you, Triple H is not going to allow it to happen. So my prediction, and I'm going to go out right now, I'm going to say it right now, starting in October, I think FS1 is going to show NXT from 7 to 8 o'clock, and it's going to bleed into the network show, which will go from 8 to 9 o'clock, it's regular time slot. I don't know if it's going to be live. It could be live, or it could be one of those things where they tape it very recently. That way, you know, you don't have three weeks of taping, obviously. That's my prediction for that. I'm going to, you know what? I was against you about NXT going to FS1 a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my tune. I'm going to agree with you on this one because, you know what? It's the only tool Vince has for Wednesdays. You're not going to put on another WWE show that's boring people to death. NXT is the closest thing he's got to what AEW is putting on. And he needs to use it for more than just subscriptions. So I'm going to agree with you on what you're saying as far as Wednesdays go for NXT. What say you is? I think we lost them again. Okay, anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm back, I'm back. I'm just having a terrible connection. Oh, with a nasty storm. Is he's late again? I would never have known that. Maybe he'll put a Rambo trailer on a month later again. I'm back, I'm back. No, I just, this nasty, the storm just keeps knocking out my internet. And it's, it's killing me here. Okay, Bring so what do you think about on. the crazy storm of professional wrestling and of NXT moving to a 7 to 8 slot and then bleeding into 8 to 9 on the network to battle AEW's Wednesday Night Dynamite or whatever they decide to call it? No, I got to tell you, I was listening before what you guys were saying about how we're looking at potentially six days of wrestling. I haven't felt this good about wrestling since the late 90s, there was a time where you had like WCW and WWF, obviously at the time, on TV for like six days. You had WCW main event, WCW pro. You had all these different, what was it, main event on Sunday? You had all these different shows, Saturday night. You had WWE with their shows. And I feel like it's getting back to that again. I'm really excited. I think this is finally what we've been yearning for for 20 years. Just great wrestling. AEW and WWE going at it with some great stuff in between. It's going to be fantastic. Bob, are you ready? I, I'm, listen, I'm ready. I've been ready. I mean, we need this because, honestly, the crap WWE is putting out there is really depressing sometimes. So it's amazing that we're actually excited about a show that hasn't even started yet. Impact all of a sudden is getting good again. I'm very happy to see. Um, the only remaining question mark is going to be, you know, how is Vince going to handle Wednesday nights? You have my prediction. Uh, I think they're going to make the announcement shortly. I think Fox is going to realize that they have to answer the AEW call because they have no choice in the matter. And I think your war at first might be NXT against AEW, but I think at some point Vince is going to realize he has to bring the NXT style of wrestling up to the main roster. He's going to have no choice in the matter. What big angle do you think AEW is going to pull at, at double or not double or nothing at all out to lead to the TV show? You, they have to announce the main event for their first show by the end of that show. Don't you agree? Um, yeah. Yeah. They have to at this point. I think, you know, I think, I think, the, 
I, I think the, there's only one way you can go. I think it's going to have to be, you know, what I'm hoping is is Omega and Moxley for the world title. So you're thinking what some some sort of schmas happens because the main event as it stands right now is Adam Page against Jericho for the vacant title. Do you think there's gonna be some sort of schmas at the end that maybe Jericho wins it, talks a whole bunch of crap, maybe Moxley comes out, challenges Jericho, Jericho says does pulls a Yokozuna from WrestleMania nine. My Jericho put title on the line right now. Uh, and then Moxley quick DDT wins the title, sets up Omega Moxley at as your first main event. I don't think, you know what, now that I think about it, I think they may actually take Omega and Moxley out of the world title scene and let other guys deal with that and let Omega and Moxley kind of deal with each other at first, which wouldn't be a bad idea. I think right now Omega and Moxley in the world title scene is a little too obvious. I think let those two guys work together. Let them tear each other apart for a few months. And I think right now you go with somebody else in the world title scene. So call it right now. Does Jericho do they give Jericho the title to start this rank this AEW television show, or do they go with the young Adam Page as the world champion? I think they're gonna open up a Jericho. I can see Page winning it on the first show at this point. I think it just I, I just don't see uh um Jericho as a long term champion, obviously. But by the same token, I think you want to give Paige. You know, it's always more fun to watch someone win the title than the than to defend the title, I guess, so to speak. So I think Paige winning it on the first show is big. I think Moxley and Omega just need to just beat the crap out of each other for a little while. So I w- I'm going to go with what you're saying. I think they got to use Jericho's name value. They're not paying him a big contract for no reason. Jericho cheats to win. At All Out, wins the title. Page gets his rematch. Maybe they're going to have some sort of free show in between before the actual television starts in September on um, on Bleacher Report Live. He wins some sort of number one contenders match, something. Maybe they finally get Pac, Pac in. And he beats Pac. And then I think that's your main event. And how, how else to start your first show but to have Adam Page win the world title? Having the, everyone coming out, having Omega and the Bucks put them on the shoulders, kind of that whole Bret Hart WrestleMania 10 kind of vibe to end your first show. That's I think that's what's going to be their big money draw. Izzy, what do you think? I think, honestly, I'm going to disagree here. I think they're going to do some sort of swerve or nobody's going to win the title or there's going to be some sort of controversy. And then you're going to really want to watch and see what the heck happens. I don't think it might be too obvious that Jericho wins or I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to do something where they're really going to want you to like tune in. They're going to do something controversial, maybe have some sort of no contest, something or however, maybe just have someone come in. Like you said, maybe a a Yokozuna situation, you know, where somebody challenges for the title. But it's going to be something not as it's not going to be as simple as uh, somebody winning the title, though. I don't believe that. Who would have thunk a year ago we would be talking about I promotion coming in and out of the gate automatically be number two crazy times no one would have thought that a year ago because honestly we need this i've been saying for months i need this so bad 
Okay, Izzy, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. I got a question for you. Do you still think AEW okay. is Impact 2.0? Well, I'm going to tell you, and it's funny because, you know, my office mate at work is a big wrestling fan, so I like that. And it's like we've been talking – we just talk wrestling, and he is so excited for this. I mean, I'm so excited. I don't think – and listen, Avi's a big historian with this stuff. There's never been a time where a federation opened up and out of the gate sold out like this. You know, we talked about it last time how Impact couldn't even get more than 5,500 people in 20 years here. In two shows, they've gotten more than that, and they're getting more than WWE's attendance right now. So – I think uh, I, lo- I no longer think it's Impact 2.0, but the question I got to ask again is how long are wrestling fans going to give AEW before it becomes Impact 2.0 if they don't shoot out with some great shows? That's the question. Well, well like I've been saying, it's all about creative. I'll say this. Impact's been around for almost 20 years. And Impact has had some really bad years. And they've been going on now for what now? 17 years? Something to think about. I mean, it's impacts around 17 years. They had some good times. They've gone through some rebuilding and hard times. I mean, like I said, we talked earlier, it looks like impacts, you know, slowly on its way back up again. You know, and you know who's going to be, you know, have your top stuff. There's going to be bad days. It's going to be bad months, bad years. It's how you recover from them is what, is the metal of a company and if they're going to be able to survive. They, they haven't been able to get beyond like a certain hump though, which, you know, AEW has been able to do that right out of the gate. So it's like they've been surviving, but the question is one, are they profitable? And two, are they ever going to get more than a thousand people on a show? And again, I mean, I don't know. I'll say it again. They've been around for almost 20 years now. They're doing something right. I mean, they have a decent-sized roster. They have talent there. Well, the question you really have to ask yourself is if they were that bad, would they still be around? They obviously have some sort of a following. You're not going to last almost 20 years in, in any business without some sort of a following. This is true. This is true. Same thing with ROH. They're around 17 years, too. And I feel they're in a right now. They're rebuilt. They're in a rebuilding phase themselves. They're not as good as they used to be, but they're rebuilding their roster. And if they want to get have a horse in this race, they need to Sinclair needs to get off their asses and get them on some major networks in the major markets, because otherwise ROH is going to fall to the wayside. Yeah, I'll be honest. ROH has some bad. I, I wouldn't call it bad ownership. I just think they're misguided ownership because you own how many what a hundred networks you can't get these guys on any major stations in new york are you kidding me the closest is buffalo the closest to new york city or something like that somewhere upstate i think the closest they have is buffalo some birmingham uh binghamton or something like that nowhere even near close to new york city how is how is a freaking cable conglomerate could you not have access to the biggest market that's in America, New York? That makes zero sense to me. And you run in New York City on top of it. Your home in New York City is the Hammerstein Ballroom. Yet you do not have access to cable in New York. That's my issue. That's been my issue for from ROH for a long time. It's just I feel like it's uh, 
I wouldn't even call it bad. I would just call it irresponsible ownership. You know, and they don't pull big crowds. Let's be honest. ROH, what do they pull the most? A thousand, two thousand people for most of their shows? I think in their history in twenty eighteen, I think their biggest crowd was like sixty five hundred. Right. So I mean listen. I think we can all agree the size of your crowds obviously does not make a difference because Impact has been around now for, what, 20 years? And, and they've never had a huge crowd. So whatever's going on right there with Impact, I mean, you know, listen, they had some bad years. If you look at it like this, you know, right now it's probably, I think 2019 might be the best year Impact ever had as far as, uh, I would say, I want to say match quality, but angle quality, quality. I think 2019 might be one of their better years so far. You know, they had great matches back in the day with Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and Chris Daniels and guys like that. You know, the match quality was never an issue in, in, in TNA or Impact. It was the angle quality. And I feel like now you're actually getting to a point where the angles are actually making sense. Yeah, I'm, I got to tell you, for me, pecking order right now is AEW, WWE, and then impact. I think Vince needs to make some sort of major moves or AEW is going to take them. I really think in the next couple of years, AEW is going to blow up bigger than it already is. Well, I just think the issue becomes that you got to take that wrestling style. You know, listen, through the years, wrestling styles have evolved like the business has evolved, you know, where at a time, you know, the, 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 Ruthless Aggression era was your best wrestling style. You know, it was the WWE style mixed in with a little bit of that WCW style, which guys like Carrero and Benoit brought to the you know to the table. And then things slowed down significantly. You know, the, the WWE style just doesn't work anymore. It's too slow. It's too plotting. It's too predictable. You know, you need. I would say more of what you see on NXT. I don't think Vince is going to go all out the way AEW does. No pun intended for their uh, for their wrestling style, but I think he's going to have to adopt at least some of the NXT style on the main roster. Adapt or die, correct? Yeah, I've always said it: evolve or die. Evolve or die. Yes. You know, and he's going to have to evolve. This the system has to evolve. You know, you have guys coming through the NXT ranks that understand how to move on that style, and if you look at your best NXT matches. They're not that much different than most of your AEW matches. I wouldn't say there is uh, there is fast moving, and I think AEW at times has better psychology than NXT does. But NXT style is not that far off from the AEW style. I think if Vince brings it to the main roster, the guys there can make it work, and at least be it'll at least be watchable compared to what AEW gives us. Well. Guys, we're on the precipice of, as John Moxley said, a paradigm shift in professional wrestling. And the winners are going to be us, the fans. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Avi, let me ask you a question as the historian. What is the main difference? I know you were talking about it on, like from a high level, but like to get more into detail, what is the main difference between the WWE style that we're dealing with and the AEW style and the NXT style, which is similar to AEW, but like you said, they do a little better with psychology. What's the main difference, really, between AEW slash NXT and WWE's main event style? Well, the WWE style 
is a slow style mixed with a lot of your brawling moves where you get a lot of kicks, a lot of punches, you're getting your suplexes, you're getting your high spots. The WWE style is almost like a, a build-up snowball effect, I'll call it, where the match usually starts out very slow, uh, where the you know the face is usually dictating the, the first couple of minutes of the match, then the heel by some sort of measure will then take over the match, and then things slow down significantly, and then things speed up again. You get a couple of spots, and then you get your blow-off, or you're, 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 you take it home. I think NXT is similar, but you get much more high spots. Um, probably a little less psychology in NXT, but a lot more high spots. You get a lot of false finishes in NXT. You know, whereas WWE, you kind of know when you're getting a false finish. You know, everybody has their five or six moves, and if you hit it, you're going to get a false finish. Like Seth Rollins and his Falcon Arrow, you're always going to get a false finish out of that. I remember Bret Hart back in the day would always hit his elbow and get a false finish out of that. Uh, Shawn Michaels, his elbow off top rope, always got a false finish out of that. Austin and his Thez press, followed by the elbow, always got a false finish out of that. You know, that's kind of your WWE style, whereas NXT, you don't know when that false finish is really going to kind of come up. And then they, they do too many false finishes, I think, to a degree. AEW and NXT are very similar, but I feel like AEW has the psychology a little better than NXT does, where... You're not getting one high spot after another, after another, after another for the sake of the high spot. You're not getting 75 false counts or false uh, pins for the sake of having a false pin. It's a little faster pace where the NXT matches, like the WWE matches, tend to slow down a little bit. AEW matches don't have those lows. They don't have those slowdowns. It's kind of like you know they, they start slow and really build up, and they just go from there. You know, in, in, if you look at the Cody Rhodes match, it was a 20-minute match. That was a 20-minute match where for 20 minutes, those guys just went at it. There were no rest holes. There were no slowdowns. There just two guys kicking the crap out of each other for 20 minutes. So I think that's your real basic styles there where they kind of differentiate, where WWE is very slow, very plotting, very systematic. Um, the false finishes you kind of see coming from a mile away, and the finish really you kind of see coming where NXT kind of sneaks up on you with the finish at times, but you're getting a lot less psychology and a lot more false finishes, where AEW, I kind of feel like, is almost like uh, almost like uh, the Three Bears story. Remember the Three Bears? And, you know, the Papa Bear was too hard, was too you know hot, and the Mother Bear was too cold, and the Baby Bear was just right. I feel like AEW is just right. You have the just right amount of, of psychology, just the right amount of false finishes, just the right amount of high spots and just the right amount of slowdown parts. Because you do have to slow down occasionally. Where, you know, NXT is almost too hot at times and, you know, WWE is almost too cold at times. AEW is just right. I mean, that's the best way to put it. All right, I want to do a new feature to wrap up today's show. Avi, we're going to do an MVP of the week. And this literally just popped in my head. I want you to tell me of all the wrestling that's occurred this week and last week, because we missed a week uh, for our show, who would you say was the MVP in professional wrestling? If you had to choose one person who was the MVP. I want to go AW. Oh, you don't, uh, you don't have a specific wrestler? You think you're going with the whole company, AEW? Whole company. AEW is my MVP for last week. I'm going to go inside AEW. 
And my MVP of the week, because he's a crazy son of a bitch, is Darby Allen. That guy is small. He's bumping like a maniac. He almost kills himself on that trust dive from the top onto the side of the apron. And I think Cody made him in that 20-minute match. So my vote is Darby Allen. What about you, Is? I got to say, I'm going to go inside AEW again. And for the second time in a row, Cody Rhodes somehow gets the spotlight, even though, you know, this time was more of an accident. It worked out beautifully with that chair. Obviously, in the first show, you had him doing his little slight to Triple H and then fighting his brother in a great match. With his brother took on some color and blood. I think ultimately, though, you know, Cody Rhodes, he gets it. Somehow he lucks out and gets a lot of internet attention. Even though I got to ask you guys, do you really think it was it was really necessary for him to go out there and make a big deal out of the whole, well, the chair it was an accident and, you know, and it, it was the wrong chair. It was gimmick chair. And then the other, we, we accidentally used the gimmick chair in the previous segment. It was a switch. You know, the whole thing where they were explaining. Do you feel that was really necessary? It was necessary because they're a, a major company owned by a family that owns a football franchise and with CTE and all that, they're going to be asked about you know, those headshots and stuff. So Tony kind of had to address it. I, it's not something he would have just been able to ignore. Whether we think it was right or wrong, it doesn't matter. As the owner of a company, he has to answer the questions that, especially if he's going to pull these scrums, where he's talking directly to the press and getting all these questions, it's not something he can ignore. He has to address it, and he has to you know, take the side up and say it wasn't intentional, whether it was or wasn't. He has to say that it was gimmick. He couldn't just ignore it or be like, it is what it is. Bob, what do you think? Um, I don't think it had to be addressed. Honestly, it's professional wrestling. Things happen. You're not going to address every botch that happens, every hard way busted open that's going to happen. It is what it is, man. It's professional wrestling, and that should have been his answer. It's professional wrestling. Things just happen. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of his, uh, well, pilot error causes plane crash. And some, I, I didn't like that analogy he used. <laughs> but my, my, if, I was him, I, if I was him, my answer would have been this. It's professional wrestling. It happens. It's not ballet. <laughs> Izzy, I know you don't know the answer to this uh-huh. one, but I'm going to ask you. What's our website? What's your web? Well, you got, well, first of all, it's Will You Stop Podcast, am I right? It's on the, I mean, I put the link on the, uh, on Johnny Rods' website, www.online.com. So I do remember it being that. If I'm wrong, you can tell me, but I just, I just want to say one more thing that uh, they should have at least played the Cody Rhodes chair shot into an angle. Maybe it said they did it, you know, that he messed up and Cody was pissed at him and tried to like do some little kayfabe illusion, you know? That would have been kind of cool, but maybe I'm wrong. They still might. They still might change it to a, an angle. I mean, the whole thing was on as an angle to begin with. But they, they're going to take something about it. Maybe they're saying that they're going to mix kayfabe with shoot and say that the chair was gimmicked, but Sean Spears being so angry switched chairs up, or they're going to or pull something like that. But yeah, Izzy, I got to give it to you. I'm I'm impressed. I didn't think you would remember, but yes, it's WillYouStopPodcast.com. It's the one-stop shop for everything. Will you stop podcast? You can give your questions for Avi to answer. Let us know who you thought the MVP of the week was. Let us know what you think about AEW, WWE, NXT, everything and anything. Avi, will you stop the podcast? 
stop the podcast, will you stop.com? Guys, bring us any questions you want, anything you want. And on an ending note, I want to bring up one more person. That once AEW hits TNT, I truly believe is going to be the breakout star of the company. And I might be called a homer for saying this. He's Long Island's own Maxwell Friedman. MJF. He is, for me, MJF has that mix of The Miz and Jericho. And it just works. And, right. the guy can, and the guy can work. The one thing I loved, I thought it was the funniest line of all, he made a comment about losing his virginity, and the camera pans in on this one poor schmuck sitting in the crowd who is never going to live that town for as long as he lives. When this guy gets unleashed on Wednesday nights on TNT, I'm telling you now, he is going to be a breakout star. I'm glad you brought up MJF, Bob, because I want to ask you this. And I, I felt this was a mistake in the story that AEW was telling. But to have MJF come out after that Cody chair shot, to being concerned about Cody, I, I, don't, I wasn't feeling that whole breaking the character, especially when you're trying to make him that smart-ass heel. For him to come out and, like, because I guess Cody's more of a face than a heel right now. I just wasn't feeling MJF being out there being concerned for Cody. What did you think about that part? I agree. I mean, he really should keep his heel character as long and as hard as possible. This is a guy who has to stick to kayfabe because, honestly, I think he has a future as a dastardly heel. He's got the look. He's got – think about it. What's this guy? He's your typical short, obnoxious asshole, and he plays it perfectly. He's the guy you want to see get absolutely massacred by a face in a steel cage match. You want to see his face get bashed in with a steel chair. That is the guy people will pay money to see get the shit beaten out of him. He comes from that mold of the honky-tonk man, Rick Rude, guys like that that you just wanted to just get buried at some point. Well, I'm glad you agreed with that because I, I I felt that that was off. And then their excuse, oh well, he looks up to Cody, and I, I wasn't feeling that. That like ruined a bit of his character and took a little shine off his heel work that he's been doing. That bothered me too. That, yes, that concern. Oh, so, well, please stop podcast. We're all gonna hopefully be back next week. You know, hopefully something big happens. AEW is on the rise. WWE is on a downward slope. Impact's about to put on an amazing show, in my opinion, for Slammiversary. And uh, will you stop podcast.com? Um, yes. No, very good. You know, I, will you stop podcast.com? I do want to say I do love the uh, Maxwell from Preview character. He is, when I watched it with Avi, I did say he was going to be the Miz. He's another, he's like a mix of a Miz. He's going to be great. I really uh, do hope. But I didn't like the fact that he did check on Cody. I thought that was really stupid, also. But hopefully, people have bad short term memory in wrestling. So his great character will continue. People will forget about that. But I do want to say two things. Um, WW Johnny Rogers is going to have a show August 10th. going to be at Gleason's Gym. should be fun. Maybe I'll wrestle. I'll do a heel. But beat the crap out of some people. It'll be fun. And uh, number two, Avi is a great historian. So please send emails. Challenge him to any wrestling questions. Love to see if you can try to stump Avi. I don't know if it's possible. But that's all. I have anything. 
Bobby, anything to close this out? Yeah, guys, it's been fun like always. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep working it. Hopefully, Vincent Company gives us something to talk about for next week. Otherwise, bring us all your questions. If you have any requests, you guys want us to cover a certain topic, bring it on. We'll cover that topic. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. See ya. See you.